0: <TeamEdu> uh- littlizar- أعوذ <confirmed> Pull- <rading> <animals> We give praises and thanks to Allah Azza wa Jal. We send salutations and blessings upon the noblest of messengers, Muhammad sallallahu on his household, illustrious companions, and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day. May Allah make us of them. My dear respected elders, beloved brothers and sisters, this is your brother Idris Mohammed Madugu, the founder and director of the Center for Islamic Worldview and Development. This is our podcast interface, Islam to the Rescue, in, on which we will be bringing to you Remind us from time to time that seeks to educate and enlighten us about our religion, our life, and our general well being, inshallah. Today's topic is titled Raising the Next Generation of Righteous Muslims. Raising the Next Generation of Righteous Muslims. It is noteworthy that the future of every nation depends greatly on its youth. The youth they constitute the next generation that will carry the banner of Islam, you know, to their to their time. And every reasonable forward-looking Muslim who has sound consciousness about his religion would from time to time ask himself or herself that if I die and then leave this world one day, what will happen to the religion, to the deen of my children, in other words, of my generation? Reading through the pages of the Quran, Surah Al Baqarah, verse number 133, Allah Azzawajal spoke to us about one of His very noble messengers Yaqub alayhi salatu wa salam when it was about time for him to leave the world what did he do when he was at the point of death Allah azza wa Jal says am kuntum shuhada id hadara yaqub almaut id qala libani ma ta'buduna min ba'di qulu na'budu ilahaka wa ilaha aba'ika Allah Azza wa Jal says Were you witnesses When death approached Yaqub والسلام, At a point when he summoned All his children And he was asking them And these children were raised Upon the principles of Nubuwa This is a very great prophet of Allah the Ya'qub and his children, he nurtured them upon Islam. But at the point of his death, he still felt the need to bring all his children together, to gain reassurance that he is going to die and leave this world peacefully, so that he can rest in peace, as we will say, as people will always say, to rest in peace. So Allah Azza wa says إِذْ li banihi." At the time he was asking his children or he was telling his children Mata Abu مِن What are you going to be worshipping after me? When I am dead and gone, what will you be worshipping? He knew very well that they are worshippers of Allah They are people upon Tawheed But he is still concerned, he needs reassurance before he would leave this world What are you going to be worshipping when I am dead and gone? They then replied to him that we will be worshipping your God. You, Ya'qub, we will be worshipping, we, your children, will be worshipping your God. And the Lord of your forefathers, Ibrahim. Uh, Ismail, uh, Ishaq, the Lord of Ibrahim, the Lord of Ismail, and the Lord of Ishaq, wahida, the one true God. And we are going to surrender, we are going to submit to the will of Allah. Azza wa Jalla. In other words, we are going to be Muslims, our religion is going to be Islam. So it was at this point that Yaqub felt, okay, Alhamdulillah. I thank Allah well, that my children, I have nurtured them upon Islam and I am leaving them upon Islam. So, this tells us that every reasonable Muslim, Muslim who is forward looking with sound conscience, as I said earlier, would constantly be worried about the deen of his children. And one thing we must know in the first place, as far as raising children on Islam is concerned, is that. It does not start after giving birth to them. Raising your children upon Islam or the Islamic way does not start after you give birth to those children. It starts the very moment you are deciding on who to marry. That is when the nurturing begins. What we call your life partner, right? The mother or the father of your children. That is when the terbiya starts. So At the very moment you are going to choose a wife or a husband, you must make sure they possess the qualities of a righteous father or a righteous mother because the piety of the parent influences that of the child that is yet to be born. A friend used to say that some fathers are so greedy and ungodly that they only choose a beautiful wife for themselves and not a righteous mother or a father for their children and vice versa okay so most of the time when people are going to choose they are carried away by beauty even if that beauty is you know deeply rooted on immorality they do not care and that is not how it should be before making your choice you should make sure you look at the necessaries the things that are very very essential before you look at any other qualities that can be considered as bonuses for you another thing we should consider is to make dua for a righteous spouse and also children we should make dua everything is emanating from Allah and in the Quran in Surah Al-Furqan Allah spoke about the righteous that they always make dua to Allah to grant them righteous spouses and also offspring Allah Azawadal quoted them saying Rabban Hablan Allah Azawadal says, What they normally say is that, Oh our Lord, grant us from our spouses and our offspring a coolness to our eyes. A coolness to our eyes. And make us leaders to people who fear you. So make us leaders of the muttaqun, those who are Allah conscious. So over here, the believers are already making dua even before they, they go into marriage. That Allah Azza wa should bless them with a wife or a husband, an offspring that would grant them coolness to their eyes. And also Allah Azza wa should make them righteous. So dua is very, very essential. One of the very important du'a the Prophet ﷺ thought his Sahaba is the du'a ul-istikhara Every Muslim must learn the du'a ul-istikhara, salat istikhara So that you always put all your affairs into the hands of Allah for his divine assistance in your choice May Allah be our guide Another important thing as far as raising righteous generation or his righteous generation of Muslims his concern is uh, exemplary parenting. As parents, once you are together and Allah began to, begins to bless you with uh, children, then you have to be exemplary parents. You have to exhibit righteous traits in the presence of your children so that they can learn from you. It is always emphasized that children pay more attention to what you do than what you say they pay more attention to what you do than what you say. Not just parents but even followers. There was one psychologist who was speaking, who was addressing a certain number of people, a very huge number of audience. And she was giving part of the instruction said to them that I want us to do something practical over here. So you guys should look at me and do what I'm going to instruct you to do. So he said, place your hands on your shin, okay? Place your hands on your, or your palm, on your shin. And we all know where the shin is, down there, right? But the one speaking and giving the instruction, even though she said, place your hands on your shin, place her hands somewhere else. So say her eyes, she she placed her hand on her eye, covering her eye. But the instruction she gave was, place your hands on your shin. After some few seconds, the observation was that majority of the people, a significant percentage of the people had all their hands on, had their hands on their eyes inside of the shins, indicating that what the instructor was saying is not what they are paying attention to, but what the instructor herself was doing. So this is what happens to children. What you are doing in in the presence of your children is what they are looking at. If it is good, they adopt it. If it is bad, they adopt it. So parents, you really have to be exemplary. That is why some of the scholars will always advise that even if you are having some quarrels, which is necessary, it comes from time to time with your spouse, you should conduct it in a very respectable manner okay you should conduct it in a very respectable manner do not do do not exchange certain you know blows if, we may, if you like it in, in, this, in the presence of your children doing that is, is indirectly teaching them that this is how an ideal husband and wife should live and you know what the service you would have done to the ummah should your children grow up on such a trait Another important thing as far as the child upbringing in Islam is concerned is sound Islamic education. Sound Islamic education. And uh, the foundation of this education, okay, the foundation of this education should mainly include aqidah, and then ibadat, and then akhlaq, muamalat, and so on and so forth. So under Apeida, you would have to cultivate in them an awareness of Allah Azzawajal. You also have to cultivate in the child a very deep love for Allah Azzawajal and also fear of the wrath of Allah Azzawajal. So at a very early age, you need to begin to cultivate this awareness to the, into the child. Tell them about Jannah, tell them about Jahannam, let them know that this life has a purpose. And that the purpose is to worship Allah Azza wa Jalla. Let them also know that if they do so, then Allah Azza wa Jalla is going to reward them with that beautiful place called Jannah, and if they do not, then they they end up in Jahannam. May Allah Azza wa save us. So this particular consciousness must already be, you know, inculcated into the child at a very young stage sometimes people feel why should you be talking to the child about jahannam no the children must know the consequences of their actions they have to know the consequences of their actions just like you hit the child when he's is wayward the same way you have to let them know that the actions in this world has consequences in the hereafter this must be you know deep, deeply rooted in the in the consciousness of the child before they even grow up there is one great scholar, Sheikh Al-Alama, Al-Alama Rabi ibn Hadi al madkhali who wrote a book on how to nurture Aqidah in your children. And the title of the book is so phenomenal. He said, The Advice of Luqman the Wise to His Son. The Advice of Luqman the Wise to His Son. And the, the Alama argued that. Allah's description of Luqman as the wise, or as a wise man, or one given wisdom, because Allah Azawadun says atina that we have granted Luqman wisdom. So Allah Azawadun attributing wisdom to Luqman, and of course, you know, Every wise man or a person having wisdom, be it parent or teachers or whatever, it it means someone who places the right things in their proper context. In other words, they, they make sure they pursue the first things first. That is what constitutes wisdom. And al alama in the book, The Advice of Lukman to his son, further elaborated that From the aspects of wisdom is that you start with the most important of affairs. He then backed his stance with the hadith where the Prophet Muhammad S.A.W. sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to the people of Yemen. And the instruction the Prophet S.A.W. gave him was إِنَّكَ تَأْتِي قَوْمًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ That you will be going to a people from the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians. فَلِيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدَعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةِ أَنْ لَا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا Then, let the first thing you are going to invite them towards be the testimony that there is no God except Allah So, the Prophet Muhammad told him that the first thing you should do once you go to those people is to invite them to Tawheed and forbid them from shirk the prophet muhammad then mentioned salah that if they accept this then you teach them salah and then zakah and so on and so forth so that is how things are properly arranged as far as islam is concerned so luqman al-hakim the wise first called his son to tawhid and forbade him from shirk when the son understood and really you know you know he, he 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 actually understood. He had a better grip on this particular call to Tawheed then Luqman now told him to he, he to establish Salah. The next thing he told him was to establish Salah. You can see that particular detailed story in the book of in, in, the, in the in the in the chapter of Luqman. and also in the book of Al You are gonna have a better appreciation of the of the of the, of the of that particular chapter and after he told him to establish the salam, he also told him to enjoin good and forbid evil that he should he told him that you should now do da'wah, invite people to what you are already practicing as far as the deen is concerned so that is how things are properly arranged. And when you look at the words that Lokman used in the advice of his son, these are very priceless words. Words like "aqim," told him, "Ya abune, ya aqim O oh my son, aqim, aqim This particular word "aqim" essentially means to to make something stand erect, so that it can be it can withstand whatever storm, whatever flood, and Whatever thing that seeks to oppose it, okay. So that is what akim means. Contrary to the popular, the popular translation, which is to perform the prayer, to perform the prayer. That is not what it actually means. To perform the prayer is different from akimisola. Akimisola is kind of you are engaged in a conscious effort to make something stand very, very firm, so that it becomes a very important pillar okay upon which all other things would rest and it's also that strong that it can stand whatever storm so that is Akim in Salah. So in order to do Akim in Salah you would have to consciously nurture that particular habit of prayer in you to such an extent when the Salah is now part and parcel of your life that whatever happens in whatever situation you find yourself you are going to observe what Allah says in the Salata that it is for the believers at certain prescribed hours, certain prescribed times. And the very word Salah shares root with the word Sila, and Sila means a kind of a connection, a cord. connection so salah essentially connects you with allah Salah is the the gateway the connection that helps you to tap into the divine treasures and then feed your spirit your mind your body your soul with the spiritual nutrients it needs to thrive and also live a purposeful life an accomplished life stress-free life, as someone would want to call it. So that is the essence of Salah. And Luqman al-Hakim is telling his son, Aqim Salah. So as a father or as a mother, parents or as teachers, when nurturing the character of the child, you need to, from a very young age, begin to instruct them with Salah. Begin to instruct them with Salah. Begin to teach them Salah. So that before they grow up, it has already formed part and parcel of their life just like they will crave for food and gravitate towards food the same way they are going to crave for salah and gravitate towards salah and that is when the purpose the essence of aqim is accomplished so that is the akira aspect of it may allah Azawadun be our guide after teaching them about Allah, the next important thing to teach them is about the Prophet Muhammad. Nurture in the child or a very affectionate love for the Prophet Muhammad. Tell them about the Prophet's most lessons life, tell them about his mission. And this should be done, you know, consciously. So, as part of the routine of the house is that we have times when we have to read the stories of the Prophet Muhammad and of course his household and of course his Sahaba, what they went through, the various, the series of you know, challenges they have to go through for Islam to be established and codified as we have it today. So let a child have this particular information in their authentic details in their intricate details. And this should also be done with connection to letting them follow the path of Prophet Muhammad So we are not just telling the child the story of the Prophet for the sake of storytelling. No, we are trying to help them see that this is the, the greatest role model humanity has ever seen. And he is the best role model to ever follow. Let them understand what it, it means to say, Ashhadu Anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. That I testify that the Prophet Muhammad is a messenger of Allah. Let them understand what that means. As has been clearly stated in the books of Aqidah, when you say Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, there are some four things that. This particular golden statement means The first one is That you are going to obey the Prophet Muhammad In all his instructions You obey the instructions of the Prophet So you are letting the child know that The Prophet because of him being the messenger of Allah Because of him being the, the connection between us and Allah Because he is the final messenger of Allah That brought Allah's divine message And because of the love he has for us And because we would day want to meet him in Jannah then we have to obey the divine instructions that he has given. On the second hand, he has to also confirm and accept as the absolute truth whatever information the Prophet ﷺ passes to us. So whatever the Prophet ﷺ said about the, the Gaib, the unseen, the world of the unseen, and whatever things that are coming, prophecies and what have you, you have to accept them as absolute truth. That is what Tazdiq <laughs> Akbara. And then watch Tinabu Manaha anhu was you will also have to stay away from the things the Prophet forbade. Was a jara, and he has warned us against. We have to stay away from those maharim, those things that Prophet forbade. And that you are not going to worship Allah except with what the Prophet ﷺ has legislated. Why? Because he is the recipient of divine revelation. Whatever we need to know as far as our religious practices are concerned, whatever we need to know as far as our ibadat our aqidah and so on and so forth are concern has already been taught to us by taught by the prophet ﷺ. and so when you are doing it the best example you should follow is the prophet muhammad ﷺ. let the child know this particular thing from a very young age of course you have to teach them according to their level of understanding everything can be broken down to very smaller bits and pieces so that the child is able to grasp it from a very young age, and as he grows, the information will also keep growing with him or her. May Allah Azza wa make it easy for us. Let him know that our salvation is in following the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Scare them away from innovations. Let them know that the religion, in order to drive to to meet Allah Azza wa with an accepted Islam, then that particular Islam must be one that is in line with what the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ has thought. Let him know that in Asdaq al Hadith al-Kitab, the best of statement in the book of Allah, wa khair al-Huda, Huda Muhammad in The best guidance is the guidance of the Prophet Muhammad. ﷺ. So that should be the second element as far as raising a righteous Muslim child is concerned. When that is also achieved, the next thing in 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 line is the ibadat from a very young age start teaching the child acts of worship even if that means taking him to the masjid or taking her to the masjid let them begin to have a feel of ibadat some things you know ibadat acts of worship like salah, like shiam like charity zakah of course and the hajj Okay, so salah he may not be able to perform the Sola fully, like a, like a matured person would do. But at a very young age, start letting him follow you in salah. If you are a mother and you are going to perform Sola, and you have a girl child, let her come closer to you and perform the salah with you. Even if it means she's just playing around. But at least you should be learning the various steps and how to sit how to stand in solar how to develop consciousness in solar at a very young age so you see before the child attains the age of seven that particular consciousness has already been built and that is the, the age at which solar should begin to be serious as the prophet said that you need to instruct your children to perform solar seriously at the age of seven and beat them if they are refusing to perform it at the age of 10. So. These are all things that we need to put in our mind. And see, yeah, some people would say ah oh, this fasting that is so harsh, that is so difficult, how do you teach a child to fast? No. You allow them to do it according to a certain, you know, according to their capacity. So instead of from, from dawn to dusk or yeah, from dawn to dusk or sunset, if I may put it you would rather let a child know that okay so you are not of age yet but because you are learning you are learning how to do it you would start your fast from morning and in the afternoon you break your fast okay just like the Salaf will do they would busy the children with some games just so that the child is able to complete their fast these are all you know acts that you need to begin to inculcate in the child at a very young age charity for example when you are going to give charity to someone or when you are going to the masjid for Juma'ah, you know you are going to be giving some Sodaqah so you will have to give that Sodaqah, you have to give some money to the child and tell him when you go you see the box that is going around, drop your Sodaqah into it, okay? and when you have some food you would want to share, give it to the child and let him share it this is teaching him the spirit of sharing tell him that you need to help the vulnerable, you need to help people who are in need, you need to share what you have, begin to teach him the spirit of sharing from a very young age. And you also have to teach them dua, you have to teach them the various dua, We have the adhkar, al-swaba, al-masaf, begin to teach the child at very young age. And this is where, you know, exemplary parenting comes in, when you are choosing your spouse you have to make sure that all these things are taken into consideration because the arabs would tell us the one who does not have something cannot give that particular thing so if you marry a husband who doesn't have the tarbiya, he doesn't have the islam or you marry a wife who doesn't have this quality she doesn't have the knowledge about all these important details how is he or she able to transfer these important values into the child so all these things are very very important and we really need to pay attention to them to be honest Teach the children ruqiyah that when you are going to birth, you have to recite the ayatul kursi. You have to recite this. Make Allahumma here. All the short du'as like Allah, the, the three qulis. Teach them so that they, 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 they know how to protect themselves and shield themselves against the, the devil. You also have to nurture them upon Quran. Let them have the feeling of Quran and Fajr. Just like Allah Azzawajal mentioned in Isra'a Aqimi salata li dhulukil shamsi ila ghasaqil layl wa, qur- wa, qur- wa qur'an al-fajr in the qur'an al-fajr ka'na mashhuda As Allah Azzawajal said That the Quran should be read particularly at the time of Fajr So let a child have that particular feeling, that love to read the Quran at Fajr Wake the child up for Fajr After fajr, ask them, sit down. Have you read your Qur'an? Pick the Qur'an. Read your surah. I'm listening. All these are part of the things that constitute Islamic parenting. And let them, know the, let them know all of these things in, in its letter and its spirit. So whilst you are teaching them all these things, let them know the very spirits behind what they are doing. Let them know the, the essence of what they are doing. So before they grow up to become mature, all these things have already formed part of their personality. The next thing you should pay attention to in nurturing the child is akhlaq and mu'amalat. Akhlaq, in other words, Habits okay, character. You are trying to nurture a certain character in the child. morally upright. You want to make him a morally upright person. Muamalat, his interactions with various people, his interaction with people of the Muslim Ummah, the Muslim community, and of course his interaction with the non-Muslim community, his interaction with the fam- with the with the family. You know, the child has to learn all of these things. Part of the things should include nazafa Teach them purification, how to keep themselves clean. Teach them how to dress. The male and the female dress is not equal. You have to teach them the difference between the two. You have to teach them the difference between the two. Let the girls begin to wear their hijab. Let them become used to the Islamic way of dressing before they grow up. Likewise, the boys. Let them also have a consciousness of an Islamic, an ideal Islamic way of dressing before they grow up. Teach them how to speak and how to use body language. Sit with your children and tell them that when speaking, there is also a need for you to demonstrate what you are saying through body language. You have to use positive body language. In our culture, we have a certain way of addressing people, provided it is in line with Islam. You will have to nurture the children upon all these. Have to teach them to respect they should be respectful when they see an elderly person they should treat him with respect just like the prophet said he is no one of us who does not respect the elderly and does not have mercy on the young folk teach them value for family and the value for the ties of kinship. it is through your attitude that they are going to learn the value of family they are going to know that they are not just an an isolated entity but they are connected to certain different groups of people who they call family okay so from time to time the way you visit your various family carry the children along if possible and let them have a feel of okay so there is a need for me to keep ties with my family and let them know that these are the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad let them have the feeling that particular You know, love for community. They want to serve their community, they want to serve their country implant in them that that the country you are living in, it is your responsibility to make this country a better place, the the, the immediate community you are living in, it is your responsibility to make it a better place, everyone has an individual responsibility to do that, so you have to also contribute your quota to make the community better, so when there is a communal labour ongoing, there is a certain community activity ongoing that seeks to better the community, let your children participate in, do not let them live isolated lives. Okay. Another thing is kindness. Nurture in them that particular spirit of kindness. Eating, of course, and table manners. You have to monitor how your children eat and teach them. Just like the Prophet was once eating with a Sahabi, with one boy, with one young boy, and the Prophet told him that Ya gulam, oh you young boy, okay, you know, semilla, mention the name of Allah And then eat what is in front of you and also eat with your right hand. So, this tells us that the Prophet was observing how the child was eating, how the boy was eating, and the Prophet was instructing him as to what to do. So, conscious parents do not just leave their children to live their lives of their own, you have to teach them teach them that eating with the right hand is obligatory. Sometimes the parents just say that oh this my child is is, is you know left handed. There is more strength in the left hand than the right. But who told you? No. Children are such that when you when you train them on something they grow up with it. I personally know a child that I that would eat with the left hand because that is where the strength is. But I consciously told the child that not eating with the right hand is better because the shaitan is the one who eats with the left hand and drinks with the left hand. And the Prophet also I keep mentioning to them the reason why they should eat with their right hands. And the child automatically, because of this, began to learn how to eat with the right hand. And as we speak, the child is now eating with the right hand and everything is in order. So these are very, very conscious things. These are things that we must be very, very conscious of. And you the child on that. Do not leave the child to just live their lives just anyhow thinking that you just want to be a liberal parent or something. That is not helping us. That is not helping the Ummah. That is not helping the nation at all. You also have to teach them to be courageous. You have to teach them to be courageous. They should have conviction in themselves, in, in what they do. They should also feel a sense of self-reliance, teach them to be responsible, inculcate in them, you know, the sense of responsibility. That is why it is very important you share to them some household chores, give them a chores. Tell them that when you wake up in the morning, this is what you should be doing. When you wake up in the, in the evening, before you go back, do this particular thing. Give them some tasks to be carrying out, to be doing, so that they learn a sense of responsibility. In most of the houses that we have today, the, in many of our bourgeoisie enclaves, you see that people would hire a maid and the maid does almost everything. So the children grow up thinking that everything must be done by someone, even even eating someone has to come and feed me. Oh wow, that is not Islam. Part of Islam is to teach your children to be responsible, give them something to do. We are not saying they should do everything in the house. But of course, they should also have a certain role they are playing in the house because one day you are not going to be there with them. One day that maid might not be with them. They are going to be on their own. You don't know what situation life will expose them to one day. So you are arming them, you are preparing them for the next life that they are supposed to to live. So in order for them to be responsible and not be lazy, you would have to let them learn all of these things at a very young age before they grow up. Allah is help us. So when all these are successfully cultivated in the child, then they must equally be monitored once you are doing this particular effort you are making this jihad to nurture the child upon islam you also have to be monitoring the progress of your tarbiyah, of the tarbiyah and you have to be monitoring the progress till they grow up fully you have to monitor this particular tarbiyah up until the stage when the tarbiyah grows up fully and it is now part of the child it is just like farming you do not just plant crops and then after planting, then you just go home and sleep. No, you will have to monitor, otherwise there wouldn't be any yield, okay? So before you even farm, first of all, you will have to go and choose a fertile ground, right? You look for a very good place, a safe place for the farming, just like you choose a very righteous husband or wife. You have to tilt this particular land, you will have to fence it, you will have to now import the seedlings, and after after everything, you will now have to start the planting, after planting you don't just leave it you'll be giving it water you'll be watering it you'll be applying the various fertilizers to fertilize the ground even more so that you'll have your crops grow up very fresh and healthy you'll also have to be applying pesticides so that it drives away pests who might come and then destroy your crops right and you will also have to be removing from time to time the invading weeds the weeds that will be growing around the crops you have to be removing them consciously Okay, till it grows up, and then you will have a very great yield and a very pleasant one for that matter. So, that is how the tarbiyah also operates. You would have to make sure you are monitoring the progress of the child. Wherever there are certain lapses, you'll be straightening them gradually up until the time that the child grows up into a very responsible, conscious Muslim that is going to be a torchbearer of Islamic civilization. So all these that I've explained constitute sacred knowledge. These are the various aspects of sacred knowledge about Deen. They're the knowledge about the purpose of the existence of the child. You have now uh, helped the child to grow up knowing that there is a certain purpose he is serving or she is serving in this particular dunya. As Allah Azza wa says, o jinn That I did not create the jinn and men except that they should worship me. So, jinn and mankind were created for the primary purpose of worshipping Allah. Azza wa so, it is true all this that we have explained that you are able to help the child attain this particular or get connected to this particular purpose of life. So this particular knowledge we have mentioned is what the scholars refer to as fardu a'in. It is an individual responsibility on every person. It's an individual responsibility on every person to know his deen, to know the various aspects of the religion and how to practice it. It's an individual responsibility to understand aqeedah, to understand ibadah, to understand akhlaq, mu'amalat. All of these things, they are very, very important and every person has to know it. If you deprive the child of this knowledge and upbringing, Allah, you have literally deprived the child of all good. And this can be the reason for you to earn the wrath of Allah Azza wa Listen to Allah, Allah Azza wa warning in Surah Al-Tahreen, verse number six. Allah Azza wa says, Ya O you who believe, O you assembly of believers, Ku wa ahlikum nara Save yourself and your family Your offspring Save yourself and your household Nara from the hellfire Save yourselves And also save your children This particular you know, responsibility is on you the parents You would have to nurture your children upon Islam That's very very important So now, when all these things have been guaranteed Then the next thing is to help the child, to give the child acquired knowledge, and when we say acquired knowledge, it is also otherwise referred to as the worldly sciences, okay, so that the child will also go to school, learn about the various sciences of the world, so that he can grow up to do something very significant to to help his material life, because Islam pays attention to both the spiritual and the material, the put are supposed to be placed on equal footing because they are strengthening each other. Allah asked us to pray for the dunya and equally pray for the akhirah and pray for salvation from the jahannam, from hell. So that is how Islamic upbringing should be. So ideally, the two aspects of knowledge, both the sacred knowledge and the acquired knowledge should be done simultaneously okay so that you do not wait until you nurture the child fully on aqida before you take him to school no the two are going to be done simultaneously and that is what an ideal islamic school should be about we should have islamic schools that is going to take care of the secular aspect of knowledge and also the religious aspect of knowledge Ideally, in Islam, we do not even have separation between these two. The two are taught simultaneously, so that the child grows up in a very holistic way. But because the Muslim community in our part of the world is still in its developing stage, and we do not have sufficient amenities where we can provide this holistic education, then you can enroll the children into the secular schools. But you must also be very wise in your choice okay even though it's a necessity for us but you equally have to be very wise in the choices of schools you make for your children okay because what's the point if your child goes to the school and then he comes back home with the corrupted al and morals corrupted morals what would be the point there is no any point so to properly appreciate this particular subject matter of uh, holistic education, I would recommend you read the book titled Islamization of Knowledge, General Principles and Work Plan. Islamization of Knowledge, General Principles and Work Plan. This is a book published by the International Institute of Islamic Thought. They give us the various aspects of Islamic education, how Islamic education should be conducted and how knowledge should be Islamized. So all the secular knowledge we call acquired knowledge, the secular knowledge so-called, okay? How we are able to align them with Islamic values and then we decolonize that particular knowledge so that every Islamic school is having its unique curriculum that is taking care of both the worldly sciences and also the sacred sciences. So when these two are accomplished, then we are going to be having our own institutions where we are, we are going to give our children holistic education, not typically secular education that takes, that doesn't care about their morals and their deen, or not a typically religious education that doesn't concern itself with the, with the acquired knowledge or what we call the, the worldly sciences. So this briefly should, should, should assist us in our role as parents and teachers and nurturers to nurture our children and then raise the next generation of righteous Muslims. It is my dua that Allah guide us. Allah should be our guide and assist us put barakah in the efforts that we are making. May Allah continue to preserve us upon the path of Kitab, kitab wa Sunnah. Wa da'awana rabbil